0: The 100th episode of Girls on Film features a very special guest, Bond producer Barbara Broccoli, who reveals her plans for the future of the franchise. Here's a taster of our conversation.
1: What I really love is the real solidarity between women. That's the most important thing. Women now feel that we've got each other's back, which is key, that you know, women are standing up for other women and standing together. And that hasn't always been possible. Fasten your seat belts. It's going to be a bumpy night. I'm going to get that gun of mine, and I'm going to change you from a rooster to a hen with one shot. Some people call me a freak. I hate that word. I don't believe in it. Better yet, I don't believe in labels. You know, I think you're the only girl in the world that can stand on a stage with a spotlight in her eye and still see a diamond inside a man's pocket. I'm up at five every morning working
0: my ass off. Does someone want to just tell me to my face you're never going to give me the scores I deserve? Welcome to the 100th episode of Girls on Film. I'm your host Anna Smith and I'm thrilled to have you here whether this is your first episode or whether you've been with us from the beginning. It's been an incredible journey. Stay tuned for an anniversary announcement at the end of the episode. This episode is an industry special in partnership with No Time To Die. So my guest for this momentous occasion is Barbara Broccoli, producer of Eon Productions, including The Rhythm Section, Nancy, Film Stars Don't Die in Liverpool, and, of course, the James Bond film series. Oh, welcome to Girls on Film. Thank you. I'm so pleased to have you on our 100th show because you have supported Girls on Film from episode one. So thank you so much for that. Of course. We're delighted to have you here. We've been celebrating women in the industry. So who better for this episode? Let me start by saying congratulations on the success of No Time to Die. It really helped cinema when it needed it. Congrats. How are you feeling?
1: Well, I'm I'm thrilled. I couldn't be happier. You know, it it's a film that obviously means a lot to me for so many reasons, but most especially because it's Daniel's last film. And, um, and I'm thrilled that we stuck it out and we waited to release the film um, at a time that we felt was safe for audiences because, you know, we made this film to be seen, you know, in the movie theaters. I mean, that's, you know, we're, we're big supporters of the cinema experience and I think it's you know it's so important that people can come together. I think we've certainly learned if we've learned anything in the last eighteen months, almost two years, it's been that how important community is and um, how much we love our family and friends and want to celebrate them. And you know one of the greatest gifts you can do is to go to the cinema together and and hopefully, you know cinema will become robust again.
0: That's certainly our hope too. So we're thrilled to be supporting the big screen. Now, Barbara, we've first met through Time's Up, so I know how committed you are to the feminist cause. Um, what are you proud of about No Time to Die in feminist terms?
1: Well, I think that, you know, all the roles for the women are really very, very important to the storyline and uh, to the relationships, the interrelationships between everyone. I think Leia Seydoux is, you know, is extraordinary in this film. And I think the relationship with Daniel was just a, a much deeper, more rounded relationship, a meaningful relationship that, um, you know, will exist beyond eternity.
2: Where did you go to today by the water, hmm? Tell me. I'll tell you if you tell me about Vespa. Is that why we're here. She's buried at the Acropolis.
1: I know where she's buried.
2: Can you forgive her for us?
3: I left her behind a long time ago.
2: As long as we're looking over our shoulder, the past is not dead. You have to let her go, even if it's hard. You mean, um, a way to have a future? Mm -hmm. So I do this and then. I'll tell you all my secrets.
1: You know, I look at the other women, Lashana Lynch, who's another extraordinary actress who brought so much to her role of Nomi. She has such confidence and, and power and you know, does it with such grace and humanity. Double O. Two years. Very young. High achiever.
2: Oh, Jesus Christ.
1: The world's moved on since he retired, Commander Bond. Perhaps he didn't notice. No,
2: can't say I And in my humble opinion, the world doesn't change very much
1: you would say that and their relationship i think you know evolves over the film and and has a wonderful conclusion
0: well we're big fans of lishan and she's been on the pod twice once of course talking about this very film and i mean i was so encouraged to see a role like hers and and to celebrate you know a black female 007 that feels pretty groundbreaking right
1: yep and she really pulled it off so it's been great Um, and Naomi Harris who you know is always been just the sort of moral centre of MI6 and she you know she brings so much to it as well. How's retirement? Quiet
2: Hi Where's Oblachev? I thought you two would get along Report 007 Thank you 007 That must bother you
3: You can go in. Thank you. you. Alone, I'm afraid. Oh, does that bother you?
2: I get why you shot him.
1: Yeah, well, everyone tries at least once. I mean, I think we have some extraordinary women and great actresses, and they're all, you know, terrific in the film and bring so much to it. And Anna Diarmas, of course, also brings a whole nother aspect of fun and, and power and grace. It's your room. It's a wine cellar. Okay, come here.
3: Don't you think we ought to get to know each other just a little bit before we um Oh
2: I no no
0: no no I um no, I'm sorry. <laughs> Um, All right. You do it.
1: Thank you. Do you mind... uh, This
2: is going to go brilliantly.
0: I know. I've done three weeks' training. Now, this is an emotional film as well, as, as you mentioned. Do you think it's important to show male vulnerability in the Bond series? I personally think that Daniel Craig does this really well.
1: Absolutely. I mean, that was one of the reasons why I felt so strongly he was the right person for the role back uh, when we did Casino Royale, because in that film, emotional vulnerability was key. And, you know, I wanted to cast a man who could be a 21st century James Bond, you know, someone who could be vulnerable and, you know, strong and vulnerable. And had a lot of humanity and could open up which he did you know obviously in Casino Royale you know he opens up and he falls in love and he gives it all up for her and then he feels he's been betrayed and then he shuts down and I think his whole journey over these films has been a real evolution of the character you know because obviously Skyfall he he loses M you know who was like you know his family and just as we put the family together in that film, he, he loses, um, you know, so the, the journey sort of continues and culminates in, in the fact that Inspector, he met a woman, and he fell in love, and she had rejected a life of violence, you know, she had a father who was an assassin, and so she'd been running away and tried to live a life outside of that, and so he realizes that in order to be with her, he has to give it up give up his job which he does he throws his gun away and goes off to live a real life and then of course in this film he's confronted with the fact that the thing he dreaded the most has actually come true which is that you know he couldn't emotionally really connect with someone and make a commitment because he always felt that he could be compromised it's one thing him himself giving his life up for greater good but he couldn't bear the idea of being compromised because someone was threatening his wife or his family. And so that's the situation he's put in, in this film. I don't want to, give it away some people might not know what happens at the end but the the ultimate sacrifice happens because of the situation he's put in by the villain so i mean it's really been an extraordinary uh evolution for for daniel craig and um he's changed the character forever
0: how has being a feminist informed your work with the james bond series over the years before that do you feel that there was a time where you started to engage with this particularly as a producer
1: oh absolutely i mean You know, I started when I was uh, very young. I started on Spy Who Loved Me, um, you know, working in the publicity department. And in that film, we had a very strong female character, which was played by Barbara Bach. Do you recognize him? No, who is he? A man I loved.
2: He was in Berndgarten three weeks ago. Did you kill him?
1: When someone's behind you on skis of 40 miles an hour trying to put a bullet in your back, you don't always have time to remember a face. Our business and your people get killed. We both know that. So did he. It was either him or me. The answer to the question is yes. I did kill him. Then, when this mission is over, I will kill you. But I didn't really start actively producing until the Timothy Dalton films. And when Tim came on, he really wanted to connect with the with the books and um, wanted to go back to a much darker emotional portrayal of Bond. and um, a more romantic, you know romantic in the sense of, you know he would go into you know singular relationships. And um, you know that was the time where obviously the age crisis had hit and so you know the film very much reflected i think the time uh that we were in and so when you think about the fact that you know the books were written in well the first one was written in 52 and the films you know were a decade later in the 60s 62 is the first one released so you know they have really um traversed The social kind of um, environment from you know all these decades so they've evolved as society has evolved I mean when you think of how women were portrayed in the 50s in film I mean other films not just you know And then in the 60s, so they have been films that reflected their times and the way women were treated has evolved, thankfully, through the ages. Still not there yet, but we will eventually get there, I think.
0: Well, it feels like film does have a role to play in that, doesn't it? And particularly a big series like Bond that has such an influence on so many minds of all ages around the globe. I'm sure you must feel that responsibility very keenly. What are your kind of discussions that you're having with the team for the future and to keep that progress coming?
1: Oh, it's an ongoing thing and it has been for ages. You know, we always want to try and and be, you know, equitable and mindful in these films. And, you know, I think the latest one is, uh, you know, I'm very proud of.
0: And what of the future? Are you talking to new potential bonds yet?
1: No, we're not. I mean, I've I've been very clear uh, with the studio about the fact that we want Daniel to have his time here with the release of this film and let this film um, celebrate him and the achievements of everyone that made this film and we'll wait until next year before we start thinking about what the future holds. Do you
0: still think that Bond will always be a man?
1: I do, because I don't think that we should be making films where women are playing men. I think we should be making more films about women and create female characters, um, so I think Bond will, I mean, I think Bond will be a man. Non-binary, perhaps, maybe one day? Who knows? I mean, I think it's open, you know. I mean, we just have to find the right actor.
0: Obviously, you know in Girls on Film, we're fighting for those strong, interesting, complex female roles across the board. And I hope that there's a lot more of those coming. Um, in terms of Bond, obviously, there's a lot of talk about diversity. And you, you've certainly shown with, with a lot of the supporting characters, your commitment to diversity with No Time to Die. Do you think the next Bond could be an actor of colour?
1: Absolutely. I mean, we want the actor to be British. I mean, the only time we haven't done that was with George Blazenby, who was Australian. But I think British is kind of the key thing. And British, as we know, can be many, many things.
0: It must be a big task juggling the demands of the hardcore Bond fans with your desire to move with the times but you seem to have done that very successfully with No Time to Die. How do you achieve that balance talking to all your heads of department and all the team because there's a lot of people involved, aren't there?
1: Well, I think it's, you know, the people that have been working on these films over many years you know, care about Bond very much and, you know, are very emotionally invested in the work that they do and a lot of the new people that come on you know, get excited and So, you know, it's just about having a constant communication with the heads of departments and they bring great ideas and suggestions to the director and to ourselves and to the actors. And the actors also bring a lot, obviously, to the party. So, you know, I think it's just about having a really good open communication.
0: It certainly sounds from everything that we hear that you help to run everything really harmoniously. Do you think women can perhaps offer something quite specific in that regard in sort of being very inclusive on set?
1: Well, I think, you know, producing, you have to juggle a lot of skills. And uh, I think that's something that women are used to doing in their daily lives. You know, most women have to deal with a budget. Most women have to deal with, you know, personalities within the family. And, you know, so I think, you know, women have been traditionally the caretakers have, you know, had to do all the things, you know, figure out how to make The pound go as far as it can, you know, all the things that um, women have traditionally had to deal with, you know, and also all the emotional and physical needs of everybody taking care of, you know, often parents and spouses and children, you know, as well as working. And, you know, certainly during the pandemic, women have really also had to take on additional responsibilities, like a lot of homeschooling. And, you know, it's just been endless for women. I'm not to say that men don't pull their weight. I think a lot of men are now pulling their weight. But I think traditionally women are the ones that have to create the harmony and and try to do everything. And it's always a struggle. You know, the work-life balance is particularly hard on women. And you find this all the time. I mean, you know, there's the old thing about, you know, if a man says, oh, I'm, I'm going to go off work because I'm going to go to my children's school play. Everyone goes, oh, you know, when a woman does it, it's like, well, what time are you back? You know, so um, those are the things that are hopefully changing. Um in our organization, we have mostly women and different people and different jobs in our organization. You know, we have flexible time and some working from home and things because these are all very demanding jobs. And so I always rely on the women in our organization. They always do their work. And if they have to do some of it at home, it- it's fine you know whatever they have to do to manage their lives because you know we particularly you know in in our industry you know we have a lot of dealings with the US and when you're dealing with the time difference just the time difference is very stressful because you know we're dealing with Los Angeles speaking at you know 10 11 12 o'clock at night and for the women that also have to get the kids up for school and manage all the other things as well as their job it's uh it's extremely challenging but you know Somehow we all manage.
0: I know, as I mentioned, you're involved with Time's Up. Do you think things have changed or escalated a little bit faster in the last few years since, hopefully, or since Girls on Film launched
1: three years ago? Yeah, I mean, we're making a lot of noise. And I think that's really important. And I think now people are having to listen. And that's a big difference. You know, in the past, they would... Go oh, yeah yeah yeah, um, but now I think they are having to listen, and I think they want to listen in most cases. And we're not going to be quiet anymore. Amen to that. I totally agree, Barbara. What I really love about everything that's going on is the real solidarity between women. That's the most important thing. That we know we've got. I think the biggest difference is that women now feel that we've got each other's back, which is key. That you know, women are standing up for other women and standing together. And that hasn't always been possible because of you know all the the pressures that women were under before
0: I think that's something that really excites us at Girls on Film and that we're seeing more and more is that people aren't being pitted against each other it's not like oh there can only be one actress in a film there can only be one female film critic on TV you know it's like there's lots of places at the table and we all deserve it and we should all be raising each other up.
1: Yes and there's fantastic organisations like Raising Films which was um, started by Nikki Bentham who I had the great honour to mentor a few years ago and she is just extraordinary woman and is a great producer and a great great everything and that organization I think has really made a huge difference.
0: We're big supporters of them as well it's such an important thing. Barbara is there anything else you wanted to talk about either about No Time to Die or your work and with women in, in particular in the industry?
1: I'm just finding I'm really enjoying working with more women you know women directors women writers it's just terrific and I think also because of all the challenges that women have you find that When you work with women, you can, I mean, there's always exceptions, but I'm talking about generally speaking, you know, you can have a shorthand with women. And also we get to the point. (laughs) We're not time wasters because we often, we've got so many things to do that we kind of cut to the chase, you know, and I think we can be more direct when we're with women, when we're talking to women and, and I think we understand each other. So I really love working with women and, um, I'm just so thrilled when you see more women are being given opportunities to direct films. It's fantastic. More female led productions, more female producers, you know. But we've got to keep going, you know. I, we can never, ever um, get uh, complacent because we've got to keep pushing for more women, more diversity more everything really well
0: you've just inspired us to do another
1: 100 episodes thank oh, you Barbara. <laughs> well done you I mean it's fantastic that you've been doing this and I feel really privileged to be on your 100th podcast so thanks very much
0: you've been fantastic Barbara thank you so much for your support and for being on our 100th episode and for having such a fascinating conversation it's been great to chat to you
1: thanks you too thanks Anna so much
0: Barbara Broccoli. You can own the No Time to Die two disc collector's edition on DVD, Blu ray, and 4K Ultra HD from the 20th of December 2021. There's bonus content about the action and the stunts, as well as the locations, sets, and costumes. Barbara is also producing a new adaptation of Macbeth on Broadway, starring Daniel Craig and Ruth Negger. That's due to start in March 2022. Now, as promised, I have a special announcement for our 100th episode, so we've invited two amazing women on to interview me for a change. They're actors, writers and comedians, and they last joined us for our BFI YouTube series. They are Sally Phillips and ronnie Ann Kona.
2: Well, hello everybody and welcome to the Girls on Film podcast. It is the 100th episode and as a special celebration, we are going to interview the creator and founder. It is
3: exciting. I thought you were just about to say that no. we were about to turn 100, which is actually quite <laughs> close to the truth. We're over 100 yeah, together. Le- let's not. Yeah. <clears throat> I'm there. Sally
2: Phillips. This is Ronnie Ancona, and we are going to interview
3: Anna Smith. Legendary Anna Legendary Smith. Legendary Anna Only Smith. She's young Anna, and gorgeous, welcome
2: but... to your own podcast.
3: <laughs> Thank you very much. Uh, amazing. <laughs> 100 episodes. That is such a feat, Anna. You must be incredibly proud of yourself. And if you're not, because I know you're incredibly self-deprecating, you blimmin' well should be. Well,
0: it feels amazing, and it's not just me. This is where I should give... Full credits to Heather Archbold, who co-founded Girls on Film with me, and she's executive producer. So it feels amazing because it was just over three years ago when we came up with the idea and we wanted to shine a light on female film critics and female filmmakers. And we thought, oh, we'll just do a few episodes, see how it goes. Cannot believe that we're now at 100 and doing super well, loads of live episodes under our belt and lots of exciting things in the future. Can you give us some little
3: tidbits or teasers about where you think Girls on Film might be going to in the future?
0: Well, we're definitely having more live events now the world is opening up, touch wood, but we also have a very special announcement to make for our 100th episode. (laughs) We haven't won anything yet, but I'm hoping we will. But what we want to do is facilitate some winners so we think there's a lot of great award ceremonies going on but girls on film does things a little bit differently we want to for our hundredth to announce that we're going to have girls on film awards oh that's that's amazing amazing. We, we need all the women and male allies in the industry in this fight and it's meant so much to us that from the word go we've had great people like yourself in the industry ready and willing to give their time to support it and to talk to the listeners So honestly, about feminism and kind of what we were thinking with the awards is rather than have your typical best actor, best actress, that we would do things a little bit Girls on Film style. Do you want to hear some of the categories that we're thinking about? So best feminist documentary, best feminist publicity campaign... Best Female Friendship on Film, Aww. Feminist Superhero. And here's a really important one, Diversity Badge of Honour. And we've got a slightly different one here as well. The Girls on Film Ally Award for the Best Female Character Created by a Man. Because it does happen and we need those male writers and male directors That's a fun, to be on I mean, board.
3: They're all fantastic awards, but... That last one, that's a very important and progressive thought because, you know, everybody has to work together in this fight, as you say, not just the women, but, mm. but the male professionals as well.
2: What do you think, how would you, how would you define girls on film feminism?
0: it's very interesting I think it's ever evolving it's certainly a journey that I learnt a lot as we go along but what Hedda and I always wanted to do was to be positive and celebratory I mean yes sometimes we point out bad things that are happening in films that aren't feminist but what we really want to do is celebrate things that are feminist and that are supportive of women and of you know a gender balance and a more kind of um, sort of balanced future in general and, and a more diverse future for film so that people can see themselves reflected on screen and
2: so when we've met you at Cannes you've been the only girl very yeah. beautifully dressed a wonderful bloom in the, in a desert of uh, rather hungover men <laughs> yeah <Ray> hungover <laughs> oh, Mare, how is it Sinatra. how is it are you seeing more women coming into film yes I'm happy to, to say
0: yeah I, I would definitely I mean in the critic circle which I used to head up as you know there's definitely more women and and we made great point of making sure that, that, that they were included. But I think, yes, certainly from from the listeners and, and a lot of the young women that we've had on the show, um, it does feel like it is now a more receptive area for women because for a long time, certainly when I entered it 21 years ago, it, you know, women weren't taken seriously by a lot of editors and a lot of readers, actually. As, as film critics, there was this crazy idea of what a film critic looks like, just as there is or used to be what a director looks like. It's moving on, but we still have to keep shining a light on women, and we still have to be seeing women on TV. And hearing them on radio Talking with each other About film And that's what we always Wanted to make sure That people know Women talking with each other About film can be great And it's not necessarily A specialist thing It's not just about women It's just women Chatting to women about film Can be accessible for everyone
3: I think it's so important And you're totally right Because you know It's the same situation I often find with a lot of panel shows They're very much geared Specifically towards comedy That's inherently <laughs> quite male And that sort of Eclectic, ethereal Or Or slightly, you know, a a humour that I often find a lot of my female friends have, which is brilliant and clever and quite surreal, isn't given space to bloom and to to be shown. And I feel that's very much the same with film.
0: I mean, what are you, sorry, I'm turning the tables now, but what are you both working on? Can you tell me? Well, it's funny I brought that up because we're just trying to make ourselves feel better (laughs) about the fact that we're very stuck
3: on a film script.
2: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, no, it's just I, we realized that we got stuck for a long time because we were because we got stuck, we went to the beat sheet models, the existing models. And then last year's award season struck me that there were it was just very interesting that the female directors it just felt there was there was a sort of more much less linear, much more open kind of structure coming from some of the women. We thought if we were bold enough or confident enough in our own storytelling we would maybe do that but because we're unsure we end up falling back on these you know save the cat and and robert mckee kind of story plans and we're trying to egg each other on you know with the medicine of your podcast of course and all the inspiration, all these incredible women you have on egg ourselves on to do something a little bit more interesting.
0: Now you both last came on. Um, our, I think it was sort of a, a, a sex special, wasn't it? Sex mm-hmm. sex. on the BFI. <laughs> when you say sex, sex can like you us. just
3: remind me what that
0: is again?
3: <laughs> it sounds screen, vaguely obviously. familiar,
0: but it's like a kind of white noise coming out of your mouth. It's making me think we need to invent another category. But I think you know for the awards, can we have like, a category? Like a can true? we have a category? Would you like to for, decide a
3: category? Um, yes, please. I'd like a category for best couple in a film who are actually the same age as each other <laughs> yes. I'm slightly sick to the back of teeth sure. of these scripts that come in all the time and the guy is our age and the woman is 15 years younger of course that happens and of course that's got to be depicted but, they're, they're but awesome. not all
0: the time exactly.
3: and what's really awful is it's warping the norm because when you and I do this when I actually see something on TV, where they've actually cast the male and female as the same age, you go, oh, oh, <laughs> like it's a what, thing. What's he yeah. got? What, like, like it's a thing. And how That's damaging amazing. is that from a feminist yeah. perspective? I find deeply damaging. Yeah. You should have You're an award. deeply damaged. <laughs> but I'm just genuinely <laughs> deeply damaged.
0: We have one other category that we'd like to share with you, which does tie into some of this conversation. I want to know what you think of it. It's best female orgasm on film. Again, you're saying something. You're t-
3: <laughs> Again,
2: there's something so coming out of your mouth. you're speaking Dutch. You you're speaking Dutch. I, you're what, are
3: you, what do you mean? <laughs> yeah, I've got to say, I mean. I'm no. definitely coming to present that one. <laughs> <laughs> Best Female Orgasm, that is very, very good. If the (laughs) award was going at the moment, which do you think is the best depiction?
0: Well, actually, we're going to be doing these awards for the last three years. So there'll be films from the last three years. So films that have been out during the time that we've been doing Girls on Film. So rather than the last year, um, I don't want to spoil anything because we will be announcing the winners. But a good one that springs to mind, which was just before we started, was The Miseducation of Cameron Post. And we spoke to Desiree Akavan about that and I thought that was, just felt normal and realistic and it. the, the key thing is it wasn't designed for titillation necessarily, it was just designed to expand the character and, you know, it, it wasn't meant to be necessarily erotic, although I think it possibly was, but it was, you know, meant to just show a side of the character and the person she was interacting with and a lot of female directors we've spoken to like Chanya Button often look at it that way a sex scene that way that it's about character rather than titillation and I think that maybe is a difference in the way that men and women direct sometimes
2: I always long for but I mean this is just the comedian in me always long for you know waiting room scenes where they really go on for, for as long as you actually wait <laughs> in the waiting room because it's always that's what you narrative. want out of a film I just want to see it and I feel like I'd almost quite like to see real time orgasm <laughs> as well like take 25 minutes or however long it would well, take you, oh,
3: what That's going to take a day and a half in the cinema. No one's going to wait that long.
0: <laughs> I look forward to your next film then in that case <laughs> well, Now <laughs>
3: we know we're up for an award in that
0: We might just we might some, write some orgasms right now. Well listen, um, I'm glad that you're keen on the awards idea because as you've gathered we'd love you involved in some ways. so please do come back on Girls on Film. We're probably better at presenting
2: <laughs> awards than we are at interviewing you about this podcast
0: I've been super honored for you to do that and we all are at girls on film so thank you so much both of you it's so lovely to see you it's lovely to see you and
2: congratulations congratulations Anna
3: job well done indeed thank you trailblazer
0: was Sally Phillips and Ronnie Ancona. You can hear our full conversation over on our Patreon page. Go to patreon.com forward slash girls on film podcast and while you're there you can give us a little something for our hundredth if you feel like it. Thank you lovely listeners for all your support and to all the guests and supporters of Girls on Film this past 100 episodes. Please keep spreading the word. Stay safe and we'll see you very soon. Girls on Film is an HLA production brought to you by executive producer Hedda Archbold, audio producer Benjamin Cook, interns Rosa Herxheimer and Shania Pythia, and our partners for this episode, No Time to Die.
2: This is my stop. Goodbye.
0: You were excellent.
1: You too. Next time stay longer.